0: Welcome to Word of Life Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here, and wherever you're listening from, we believe that God will move to and through you from today's message. If this podcast helps you spiritually, will you consider helping us naturally? You can give online or become a monthly partner as we aim to help more ministries and release more content. You can give online today at thelife.cc. Enjoy today's message. Good morning, Word of Life. Wow, well... As Pastor Joel said, my name is Gino, and you might not know me, and that's because I am your kids' pastor here at Hico. That means I am upstairs all the time, all the time with your kids. I don't get a chance to come down very much, but I tell you, I love it. I love. Thank you. Thank you. I absolutely love being upstairs with your children, and I want to thank you guys for entrusting me to actually be with your kids. I mean, that speaks volumes. You know, you don't just um, allow your kids to be with anybody. And for you to release them to me every Sunday and, and give me the opportunity to pour into them spiritually, you know, it means a lot. And your kids are actually being poured into, and, and I'm learning a lot about you guys, too. Your kids love telling everything. <laughs> No, but um, it's an honor to be here this morning um, downstairs in big church, as we call it, to preach to the, to preach to the grown-ups, and um, it's an honor for me to be here on behalf of Pastor Joel and Pastor Chase. If I don't do well, just remember, come back next week because they will be back, all right? Before I begin, though, I want to introduce my wife because you don't get a chance to see her either, my wife of 28 years, Angie Lee. If you can extend a hand her way and pray for her, because y'all, I'm a lot. I really am. I'm a lot to put up with, and she's put up with me now for 30 years. Um, she, made me, she made me beg her for two years to marry me, and finally she decided to marry me. But anyway, after, our, after um, getting married, we ended up having an absolutely wonderful and perfect daughter. And then we had another daughter. No, I'm kidding. We had two perfect daughters, absolutely perfect. We have Tori, who's here right now. And um, Tori is 24 years old. And I tell you, she is, she's one of those kind of people that's, that's really, everything is ordered in her life. She writes down everything. She has plans for everything. That's the way she was in school. Everything had to be ordered and, 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 and in order. I mean, it almost drives you crazy. Whenever she goes on vacation, she has lists that have to be done. Whenever she looks for a job, she makes vision boards. And I mean, I don't even know what a vision board was until the other day. You know, when like, what is that? Um, um, what's your name? Tori, I get my kids mixed up. And she had to explain to me what a vision board was. And that's the way she was in school, even coming up in school. She studied, 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 study, and made all A's. I mean, she always made all A's, from kindergarten all the way to high school. When she graduated from high school, the, the report card was mailed, the final report card. And she said, Daddy, look, 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 look. I went through all years of school, and I never made a B. And I said, well, so what, Tori? Yeah, right? I told her, well, I never made a B either. <laughs> I made straight Cs. No, no, but the thing was, you know, I was the other way around. Now, I wasn't dumb. I mean, I studied and I studied and I studied, and I knew the material. I just didn't test well. Anybody else like that? You know, you can know the material, but just don't test well. And that's the kind of person I was. Now, Bella, my baby child, She's 18 and my watch just went off. She just set the alarm off at home, which means she's on her way now, late. But she's on her way. She got all A's too. Well, all A's and B's. She did very, very, very well too. But during her whole high school, I guess, career, I never ever saw her open a book. I never even saw her go in her book bag. But she got all A's and B's. Like, how in the world do you do that? She said, well, Daddy, duh. I just found out what's going to be in the test. Well, how do you find out what's going to be in the test? She would go to the teacher. You know, she's not really tall like me. And, and that's not funny. And, but she would go to the teacher, and she's this high, and she'd go to the teacher and cut her little eyes like this. Miss so-and-so, what's on the test tomorrow? And the teacher would tell her. The teacher would say, "The first question is the first question is this. The second question is this." So she knew exactly what to study. She even had a teacher. Yeah, right. Wow, that's what the teacher. She even had one teacher say, "Girl, it's the same test that I gave to the students yesterday. Ask them. You know, or it's the same test that we did last year. You can find it online." So she went online and found all the answers and found all the questions. Wait, how smart is that? Well, today, I'm going to give you some questions and answers to a test that unless you know what it is, you might fail. Do you know that when we die and go to heaven, we have to face God? And when we face God, he is going to give us a test. He's going to have some questions and sadly, a lot of us aren't going to be able to answer the question. We're going to get to heaven and find out all this time that I've been on earth, I've been preparing wrong. I've been preparing wrong. So today, I'm going to give you some answers. First of all, before we even get started with that, what I want to teach you today is how to make a difference in your life. Because when you get to heaven, and a lot of people don't know this, but this is simple theology, but when you get to heaven, a lot of people know about the judgment, but a lot of people think there's just one judgment, but there are actually two judgments. Two judgments. And the first judgment is called the great judgment. White throne judgment. And all the great white throne judgment is, it's the everybody judgment. Everybody has to go before the great white throne judgment. And that's from Adam and Eve to the end of time. Everybody has to go before the great white throne judgment. And all we're doing is we're standing before God. In fact, this is what it looks like. It says it very clearly right here in the book of Revelation. Revelation 20, it says, Then... I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. And by him, he's talking about Jesus, Jesus, who is sitting on the throne and the earth and the heavens fled from his presence and there was no place for them. And that's just a fancy way of saying all time as we know it, all time has ended. Time is over with. And I saw the dead great and small. That's everybody standing before the throne and books and books, plural books, were opened. Another book singular was also opened. So when you get to heaven, you're going to see a pile of books. And then you're also going to see a book. Now, that book, well, I'll get to that in a second. That book is called the book of life. Then it continues on, the dead, and what he's talking about here in the dead, he's talking about the spiritually dead, because everybody's already dead. So what he's talking about here is the people who are dead spiritually, were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. So what this means is when you get to heaven, you're going to see a pile of books and you're going to see a book. And everything that you have done is going to be written down in the books. Everything you have done, good or bad, is written down in these books. Isn't that the worst news you've heard all day? Because I'm thinking back to my sophomore year of high school. Dude, I've got volumes. It's all written down in these books. But then there's a book. And that book is called the Lamb's Book of Life. And the Lamb's Book of Life is where you're not judged by what you did. You're not judged on what you did good and bad but you're, du- you're judged on what Jesus did for you. That's why when it says some people are going to be judged by the books and some people are going to be judged by the book, you want to be judged by the book The moral of the story of that whole thing is you don't want to be judged by the books. You see, you don't want to be judged by what you did in your life. You don't want to be judged by the good and bad that you did. You want to be judged by what Jesus did for you. That's what you want to be judged for. You get that? Now, it's important that you understand this because a lot of people think that, well, why is God mad at us? Why is there even a hell? Well, hell is not a place where God sends you if he's mad at you. Hell is simply a place that you have an option of going to if you want to pay for your own sins. That's all it is. If you want to pay for your own sins, well, there's a hell. But... If you want Jesus to pay for your sins, then there's a heaven. And that's what it boils down to. Do you want to be judged by the books or by the book? And once you get that, then you pass the first judgment. Now, I'm not sure, you know, I have an earthly mind. I'm not really 100% sure how it plays out, how it looks. Now, on earth, it might look like this, so I'm thinking this is how it might look in heaven. So you're in heaven, and everybody's dead, and you're in a big waiting room, and you hear the intercom. Um, Gino, could you come in the room, please? And, and I walk into the room, and God's standing there like, whoa, he's bigger than I thought. And he asks you a question. You see, this is where Bella would shine. Because Bella would know the questions to the test. This is the first question. Gino, what did you do with my son? What did you do with my son? And the way you answer that determines whether you are going to be judged by the books or by the book. And you have to get this, because if you don't understand the question, or if you've been preparing all wrong, it ends badly. Let me show you where it says that. In Matthew 7, it says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. And that's kind of sad because years ago, that's what I kind of expected. I thought that, okay, all i got to do is stand up, raise my hand, say a prayer, repeat after me, walk to the altar, and I'm going to heaven. I thought that's how simple it was. But Jesus says, no, it's not that easy. You're not going to get into my heaven on just some external things. Then it goes on, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven And the next word haunts me. It says many, not a couple, not a few, but many will say to me on that day, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? And didn't we drive out demons in your name? Didn't we perform many miracles? Didn't we serve on the fit team? Didn't I serve in kids' life? Didn't I read your word? Didn't I sing loudly? Didn't I go to church every Sunday? But what does Jesus say? Then I will tell them plainly. You, you missed what I was looking for. I never knew you. You see, I wasn't looking for religion. I was looking for a relationship. And then he says, away from me, you evildoers. How would you feel? You've been preparing this whole time. You've been going to church every Sunday. You never miss a service. You always are serving. You're in kids' life. You're in little life. You're in a parking lot team. I'm doing a lot. But then, who are you again? I never even knew you. He's not looking for religion. Religion. You're not going to get into heaven by your external things that you do. Now, this is a true story. Um, it's about, um, it takes place in Chicago. And it's, a, um, it's an apartment complex, a huge apartment complex, very, very big. Like, you know, 40 stories tall, you know, like they have all over Chicago. Well, in Chicago, this apartment complex caught on fire. And the fire fully engulfed engulfed this whole apartment complex. Things up in flames. F- smoke is billowing out. And people are running out. And other people are coming from all over, you know, with their phones, you know, filming everything. You know, that's what we do. But they're filming everything. And as everybody gets the, out of the building, the firemen are released. Okay, now we can try to really aggressively put this fire out now that everybody's out. Well, in the background, they hear this woman screaming, ah! My child is still in there. My baby is still in there. I was in such a hurry to get out. I ran out of the building. So this fireman, this hero, runs into the building. As soon as he runs into the building, he opens the door and the fire hits him. The heat just knocks him down. Being trained the way he is, he knows that i got to drop to the ground and crawl, get under the heat, get under the smoke so I can breathe. And he's gagging, and he's, and, he, and, he, and he's having a hard time, and he remembers the woman said that my apartment was on the seventh floor. Well, the, the elevators are down because of the fire, so he's crawling up the stairwell. Okay, this is the first floor, and he finally makes it to the seventh floor, and he's looking for apartment number 712, and he's crawling in the stairwell, feeling the numbers. He finally gets to apartment number 712, gets inside the apartment, smoke and fire everywhere. He's crawling, he's crawling, and crawling, finally makes his way to the nursery, feels around the floor, and feels the feet of a baby crib. Stands up and reaches inside the crib, grabs a baby, sticks the baby in his coat, and drops to the floor again and crawls back out of the building. True story. Gets out of the building, gets about 30 feet from the building, and the building behind him collapses. The crowd goes crazy. Wow! What a hero! What a hero! I mean, he's and he's tired and he's exhausted and he can't breathe. The mother runs up to him and he reaches inside of the coat and reaches inside and passes her a doll. He grabbed the wrong thing. He felt the head. It felt like a baby. He felt the body, the clothes, the little booties on the feet. It felt like a baby. But what it was, was a perfect counterfeit of a baby. Same on the outside, but empty on the inside. And sadly that's going to be so many so many of us when we reach the kingdom of God. We're going to be we're going to Well, didn't I go to church? Didn't I read your word? Didn't I do this? Well, God's going to say, "Yeah, you have something on the outside, but you're empty on the inside." I wasn't looking for your religion. I wanted to know you. I wanted a relationship. So that's why when you're asked that question, what did you do with my son Jesus? Your answer's got to be something like this. Well, I gave my life to Jesus. I gave my life to Jesus. I didn't just read your word. I didn't just sing some songs. I didn't just serve on the parking lot team. I gave my life to Jesus. That's how you get a relationship with Jesus. So that's the judgment that a lot of people know about. But what a lot of people don't know is once you pass that judgment, you're in heaven. But once you get into heaven, there is a second judgment. Now, I guess you could say judgment because it's not really, it's almost like an award or a reward. You know, it's kind of, it's, in a, it's, a, it's a reward or an award judgment, it's like when you go to the Olympics and you see the Olympics, and everybody's in the hurdles, and you know you're, you're, America's winning or whoever's winning. And then when they they play the national anthem, and the person at the top at first place, second place, third place everybody's happy for the first for the first place guy. Yeah, he did a good job. Well, that's what this judgment is all about. And in theology, it's called the judgment seat of Christ. The judgment seat of Christ. And this is a whole nother judgment because the first judgment, is almost it almost seems like there's, there's two narratives. The first judgment is all about free and all about grace and all about mercy. There's nothing you can do on your own to get into the kingdom of heaven. It's all about Jesus, right? That's how you get into heaven. But then there's another narrative that says, well, it's about your actions and your works and your deeds. Well, which one is it? Is it for my works or is it for for grace, well it's both. It's both. You see the first judgment, which is about mercy, gets you into heaven. But the second judgment, which is about works, determines what your heaven will be like. It's an award judgment. And this is what it says here. This is what kind of explains it a little bit. In 2 Corinthians um, 5, it says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one of us may receive what is due us for the things we did while in the body, whether good or bad. What is due us? whether good or bad, you see? So that's how we know that that's a reward judgment. And we wonder, well, well, why is God interested? Why is Jesus interested in how you behave, what you do? Well, because there is an expectation that once you become a Christian, you're supposed to make your life count. You're supposed to make your life count. You're supposed to make a difference now. You don't just say, okay, now that I found found Christ, I'm going to sit in the back row of my pew or my chair for the rest of my life. No, now it's time to make your life count. So once again, I'm not sure how it's going to play out. I just passed the first judgment. Now I'm back in another waiting room. The intercom comes on again. (laughs) Gino, um, now we need you in this other room. So you walk in there, and this time, it's Jesus. Here's your next question. Jesus is going to ask you, what did you do with what I gave you? What did you do with what I gave you? I gave you a life. I gave you a wife. I gave you a business. I gave you a house. What what did you do with all of that? Did you you squander? What did you do with it? And maybe you don't know this, but as I said before, there is an expectation that once you find Jesus, you're supposed to make your life count. You're supposed to make a difference, and Jesus is motivated by this. Because if you go all the way to the end of the Bible, all the way to the end of the Bible, in the book of Revelation, the last words that Jesus says, Jesus says, and behold, I am coming quickly, and I am bringing my rewards with me. I can't wait to bless you for the way you lived your life. He's ready to give you a reward. And a lot of you already know the Lord And a lot of you have already given your life to the Lord, but you haven't taken the next step. And if you're that person, I want to say to you, get off the sidelines and let's get into the game. Get off the sidelines and let's get into the game. Let's make our lives count for something. Paul says in, in, in 1 Corinthians 3, he says, But on the judgment day, and on this he's talking about the second judgment, not the first judgment, because remember, you're already in heaven. On the second judgment, on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. In other words, the kind of life you lived. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, the builder will receive a reward. So there's going to be a time that God's going to say, well, let's talk about your life. Let me see what you did with your life. Let me see if you made a difference. Now, I'm not really sure what the answer to that question will be. What did you do with the life I gave you? But I'm sure it's got to be something like this. Well, I made a difference in eternity. I made a difference in eternity, I, you know, I, I, I made somebody happy. I brought somebody closer to Christ. And I'm going to show you how you can do that. I'm going to give you three ways that you can make a difference. And I want you to remember this because I don't want to just inspire you on Sunday. I want to give you something that you take home with you on Monday. The first way you can make a difference is you can make a difference with your resources. Make a difference with your resources. Now, I said resource. I didn't say money, even though money is a resource, but it's not the only resource. I want you to make a difference with everything you have. You know, you'll never be asked by God to give something that you don't have. If you don't have something, God's not going to ask for it. But if you do have it, God's going to ask for it. If you can play the guitar, you're supposed to leverage it for eternity. If you have money, you're supposed to leverage it for eternity. If you can preach, you're supposed to leverage it for eternity. If you give great hugs, you're supposed to leverage that for eternity. Whatever you have, you're supposed to leverage it for eternity That's how you make a difference, whatever it is. You know, I remember once Angie and I were at this little restaurant. It was a brand-new restaurant that just opened in town, and um, Angie and I are big foodies, and whenever, whenever a new restaurant opens, we have to go to it. Well, we get there, and they're still kind of working out the kinks in this restaurant. Service is kind of bad, but on this day, service was exceptionally bad. So we get there to this restaurant, and this little waitress comes over, and, you know, she's really, you know non-attentive, unattentive, non-attentive, what is the word? I don't know. She comes to us and hi, hey, can, can I get your drink order? Well, yeah, give me a water, give me a water with lemon. and She disappears and never brings back water or water with lemon, just never comes back. So finally, another girl comes and says, hey, I'm so sorry about her, y'all. Here's your water, here's your water with lemon, and then disappears again, and we're still waiting. Finally, our other waitress comes back, goes, um, yeah, can I take your order? And we give her order, give, give her our order, And she takes it away and brings back completely wrong order. And she gave us what she wanted us to have, I guess. You know, but um, she brings us back something. And, you know, we don't say anything. We eat and we're just talking about, she's a pretty bad waitress. You know, and at the end, we're waiting for our check. We're waiting for our check. So she finally brings the check. But the whole time we're at the restaurant, we see her over in this side of the restaurant talking to people, over on this side of the restaurant, talking to people, over in this side of the restaurant, getting chastised by her manager and, and, and other co-workers. So finally, when she comes to, to bring us the check, we can look at her, we look her in her eyes, and we see that they're red. And she has tears coming down her eyes. And we felt bad, and like, wow, we were talking about her, how bad of a waitress she is, you know, not knowing what's really going on in her life. So, when she brought, the, he brought us a bill, you know, I put my, my, my credit card up there, and um, Angie said, Well, Gino, let's leave her just a really, really, really big tip. So that's what we did. We left her a really, really, really big tip. Well, she brought the, the, the check back and said, I'm, I'm, Y'all, I think y'all made a mistake. We said, No, we want you to have that. And she started crying. And we asked her, well, what's the matter? And she started telling us about the abuse that she um, had to, had to uh, go through as a child. She started talking about that she had been raped. She talked about, I mean, all kinds of bad things that led up to this poor little 21, 22 year old girl's life. So Angie looks over to her and, and grabs her hand and says, Can we pray for you? And she said, Well, I'm Jewish. Well, let me tell you about Jesus. And we prayed for this girl, and she's crying the whole time. She gave us the biggest hug. You can see that her demeanor completely changed, she became a completely different person. Now, Sarah is her name. We run into her all the time, out and about. And whenever we run into her, she's usually with a group of friends and she introduces us to her friends. Y'all, y'all, y'all. This is Gino and Angie, the people that changed my life. Not because we were doing something superly spiritual, super spiritual, or 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 anything that's, you know, theologically profound. We were just Christians being on mission. That's all we're supposed to do. We're supposed to go out of our house every day looking for the lost, looking for the hurt, looking for people who just need a high five, a hug, a prayer. That's it. That's it. Make a difference with your resources. Number two, make a difference with your time. Now, if you're like me, your time is more valuable than your money. Because the older I get, I'm starting to realize that, wow, it's, it's humbling, but I have more years behind me than I do ahead of me. So I've got to make my time count. I've got to make a difference with the time I have left And what does that mean? I means I've got to start serving more. You know, here at Word of Life, we have three great services. A lot of opportunities for everybody in here to attend one service and serve one service. Choose the ones you want. As Pastor Chase was up here last week or a couple weeks ago, he was talking about how our church is growing. Pretty soon, we're going to be moving to a fourth service. That's how big we're getting. Right now, we we have between 1,000 to 1,300 people in this building every Sunday. You want to know something? We only have about 130 to 140 people serving. In little life, where the nursery is, they're turning away kids. Because they don't have enough volunteers. And you know what happens when you turn away a child? The parents don't come to church. You know why it's your first time meeting me? I have been a kids' pastor at this church for 13 years. I have been, now we've been Word of Life since 2020. This is my first time really in this sanctuary. During a service. Why? We don't have enough volunteers. We don't have enough people willing to leverage their time for eternity. It's time for us to start getting in the game. Get off the stands. Make our lives count. Make a difference. And the third thing is make a difference Sharing Christ. And that intimidates a lot of people. And I'm not talking about you go out there and, and you, you tell people all about the Bible and tell them about the judgments. No, what I'm talking about is just going out and being kind to people. Because people don't care about how much you know or what you know. They just care about how you made them feel. That's it. That's, they, they just want to know that you're there to give them an encouraging word a hug, a high-five, a handshake, you're awesome. Sharing your faith, sharing Christ. I hear too many times people go to come to church, and they, they come in the church, and you see them in church for a while, then after a few months, they go to another church, and after a few months, they go to another church, and I go to so many people, and I say, well, well why'd you leave us? Why'd you, why'd you start going to another church? You know what, you know what I hear more than anything? Well, I just wasn't being fed anymore. I just wasn't being fed anymore. I wasn't being fed anymore. There's a restaurant um, that that my my family, we love going to. It's an Indian restaurant, and we love Indian food. So we go to this Indian restaurant, and we eat, and we eat, and we eat. And and the little server guy comes over and says, you want another plate? Well, yeah. And get me another plate. Because it's a buffet. You know, buffet, all you can eat. And I'm eating, and I'm eating. And we eat so much. Do I stop eating? No, I keep eating. And after a while, I'm sitting in this chair, and I'm sitting back, and I have to unbuckle my belt because I'm just miserable. You know why? Because I'm full. Well, maybe you're coming here to church, and, well, I'm not being fed anymore. Well, maybe you're full. You've been in church, most of you, a lot of you, for a very long time. But all we're doing is eating and eating and eating and eating. Well, maybe it's time for you to feed somebody else. If you're full, start sharing what you're full of. In Kings, 2 Kings, I'm closing. It's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. And it's, it starts off like this, 2 Kings 4, it says, Now the wife of one of the sons of the prophets cried to Elisha, your servant, my husband, is dead. You know that your servant feared the Lord, but the creditor has come to take my two children to be his slaves. So this lady's wife is, I mean, his lady's husband has died, and the creditors are saying, you know, see, you owe us for the house, you owe us for the car, you owe us for the skateboard, whatever it is, and we're going to take everything you have, and we're going to take your kids. They could do that in those days. Thank God they can't do that in these days. Bella and Tori, y'all would be gone. But anyway, <laughs> um, they, you, you know, so... Thank God they don't do that these days. So Elisha said to her, well, what shall I do for you? Tell me what you have in your house. And she said, well, I have this jar of oil. And he said, go outside, borrow vessels from all your neighbors, empty vessels, not too few. Go in and shut the doors behind yourself, you and your sons, and pour into these vessels. So the, the, the kids and the mother Go out neighbor's, go to all the neighbor's house. Let me borrow a vessel. Let me borrow a vessel. Let me borrow a vessel. They're borrowing vases. They're borrowing bottles. They're borrowing wheelbarrows. They're borrowing um, whatever they could pour liquid into. Then he said, go into the house and take your jar and start filling up these vessels. And it never runs out. Now, side note. Whenever oil is mentioned in the Bible, they're talking about the Holy Spirit or they're talking about the anointing. So keep that in mind whenever you read about oil in the Bible. So he brought, he so he br- went from him and shut the door behind herself and her sons. And as they poured, they brought vessels to her. When the vessels were full, he said to her son, bring me another vessel. And they're filling these vessels, filling these vessels, filling these vessels. And then he said to her, there's not another. So it filled up all the vessels they had. And the son said, there's not another. And this is the part of the story that I don't like. Because then it says, then the oil stopped flowing. Now, yeah, the lady got, got enough oil in all these vessels to pay off her debts and keep her sons out of jail or whatever it was. And that's good. But it hurts me when I see the oil stopped flowing. You see, there's never, ever going to be an oil shortage. There's never going to be a Holy Spirit or an anointing shortage. There's only going to be a vessel shortage. Don't let your vessels run out. The oil is always ready to flow. It's ready to flow on you, through you, so that you can fill your vessel and take it to others and help fill their vessels. There's never going to be a shortage of oil. Only vessels. So make a difference. Make a difference with your resources. Make a difference with your time. And make a difference sharing your faith. Let's stand. I want to pray for you, and then we're going to worship. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your presence in this room. We thank you for your oil, Lord Jesus. We thank you for your anointing in the Holy Spirit. Lord, we ask for your leading. Guide us, direct us where we should go. Lord, get us off the bench. Thank you for giving us the questions and giving us the answers. Now maybe we'll be able to test well. Lord, we want to be able to make a difference in eternity. And the only way we can do that is if we serve. The only way we can do that is if we make a difference. Guide us, Lord. Direct us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.